0: Welcome to The Breakdown with James Lankford, where Oklahoma Senator James Lankford discusses policy issues in Congress. Thank you for listening today. This is The Breakdown.
1: Well, this is United States Senator James Lankford from Oklahoma, and you are joining us on The Breakdown. The Breakdown is where we take some of the complicated issues of the day and try to bring them down on the lower shelf so all of us can get a chance to get it, as we like to say, we're gonna to try to make you the smartest kid at the water cooler uh, in dialogue of what's happening in public policy. Uh, you're welcome to be able to track us online uh, and all the social media places at Senator Langford or you can go to our website, langford.senate.gov. You can also obviously subscribe uh, to this service on Spotify or any of the other places where you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to this, and we will send it out to you on a regular basis. We've had a lot of different conversations about the Senate, about national policy, about different bills that are moving through. There's been a lot of dialogue, though, of late, about a 50-50 Senate. What happens when Americans elect exactly the same number in the Senate. Who's in charge? How does that actually work? And I've had a lot of questions about uh, from people saying, what does that really look like? Well, we know as a nation, we have 100 senators because we have 50 states. Every state gets two senators. So we have 100 senators. In a rare moment, occasionally, the country equally divides on as far as all of our different votes and we end up with 50 senators from each party actually caucusing together. The challenge is, what do you do with that? Well, I have an expert with me with what do you do with that because this situation is not new to us. This also happened in 2001 when George Bush and Dick Cheney were elected. America also elected a 50-50 Senate at that moment. And at that time, Trent Lott was the leader of the Republicans in the Senate And so for the first time, he and Tom Daschle, who was leading the Democrats, and Trent Lott leading the Republicans, had to sit down and figure out what do we do with an equally divided Senate? Because no one's in the majority until Dick Cheney at that time passes the tie-breaking vote and makes a majority. But after Dick Cheney walks out of the room, we still have 50 equally divided senators. So Trent Lott is joining me. He is the senator, former senator from Mississippi, highly respected, served as the majority leader during that key time and negotiated a really tough deal of 50-50 division that became the model for how we're functioning in the Senate right now. So Senator Lott, I know you didn't plan on setting a pattern for the rest of the time in the Senate, but when you negotiated that deal in 2001, you not only navigated that time period, but set the plan for how we're actually functioning right now in the Senate. It is a real honor uh, to be able to have you in this dialogue, to have you step back in. And so we can talk about not only how you can do a 50-50, so we can talk about how you did do a 50 50-50. So thanks thanks for joining us on the breakdown.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me to join you, Senator Langford. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And let me just say, I, I appreciate the kind of senator that you're making for Oklahoma, a great state that I've always admired from a distance and almost went to Oklahoma Baptist University when I finished high school, but I wound up at Ole Miss and becoming a lawyer and the rest is history. But I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and Uh, I think this is another example of uh, the kind of senator you're making. You're you're looking at history. You're looking at what has happened and what can be done under very difficult circumstances. This is only the third time, I think, in a century that we've had a a flat tie. And so when we had this uh, tie after the 2000 election, I went back and studied the history of what happened the previous time. And it turned out that they had a hard time getting an agreement. It was weeks, months before they got through it. And I just uh, said to myself, uh, we can't do that. I've got to find a way uh, to make uh, a 50-50 Senate work. Now, uh, it was a different time. I had been majority leader for almost five years. I had already developed a pretty strong relationship with Tom Daschle, the Democratic leader. So when I saw uh, what had happened and we were going to be 50-50, I called Tom and I said, let's sit down, uh, let's work through this. And I promise you, I want to be fair with you and I expect you to be fair with me. So we did that, and uh, you know we agreed on how the committees would be uh, evenly split. The money would be evenly split. The chairman would be a Republican because we had the Vice President and the fifty-first vote, and there would be a little extra kicker for, in money uh, for the committee chairman to, to run the outer office and all. We also said that when there was a tie vote in committee, uh, it could be taken directly to the floor of the Senate by either leader, either party. So I negotiated, a, you know, it, was, it took us about two weeks, but we came to an agreement. But I have to tell you, uh, Senator, when I took it to the uh, Senate Republican Conference uh, over in the Library of Congress, it was not particularly well received. Some of my good buddies like uh, Bill Graham from Texas and Jim, uh, uh, Rick Santorum of Pennsylvania, Don Nichols from Oklahoma, uh, thought I had maybe gone too far and been too fair. Uh, so we were having a pretty hot debate, and I was getting concerned about whether this was going to be a vote of no confidence. And then Pat Roberts, a great senator from Kansas, stood up and said, what are y'all thinking? It's 50-50. we got to find a way to make this work. And everybody calmed down, and we went forward. Uh, but I want to emphasize again, uh, the different. one of the main differences is that times are different, the media is different, and I'm not sure that Mitch McConnell has the same kind of relationship with Chuck Schumer that I had uh, with Tom Daschle. That made a huge difference. But we worked together and we made it work. Uh, In the next six months after we came to this agreement, we passed a major tax reform bill. We passed appropriations bills. We passed a defense bill. We even passed No Child Left Behind education bill that was a big priority for President Bush. So we got a lot done. Of course, the bad part is uh, Senator Jim Jeffords from Vermont didn't switch parties on us and we lost uh, the uh, majority we had with the vote of uh, Dick Cheney. But it can be done. Uh, but it, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, effort, communication. You need to have a chemistry. Uh, you know, I, I worked the other side of the aisle and tried to make sure they knew what we were trying to do. In fact, John Bro a senator from Louisiana, who's been my partner for the last 12 years, came over one time and convinced Olympia Snow from Maine that we were trying to get too much for the tax cut. And without her vote, I didn't have that, that 50th Republican vote. So I had to negotiate with John Bro and Dick Cheney was involved. But we, we reduced the tax bill some, but we got it done. And uh, that's kind of what needs to happen now. You've got uh, like Senator Manchin of, uh, of West Virginia and Senator Sinema from uh, Arizona that are a little bit more moderate. Maybe you can talk to them. And I suspect a guy like you, Senator, might be useful in, in making those kinds of contacts.
1: Well, we're trying to engage in the dialogue because that is an important part of the Senate. Uh, I definitely have a very conservative worldview. And uh, for me, I'm very passionate about a set of ideas and I wanna try to get those ideas done. Uh, But the challenge is in the Senate, as you know extremely well, I don't get to pick the people that I work with. Other people pick the people that I work with and then I've gotta find a way to be able to work with them and to be able to get some of those things done. I I wanna go back to things like appropriation bills. There were quite a few bills that you listed off there that were actually done not through a reconciliation process, but actually through passing with 60 votes uh, to be able to go through the full process. What was that like? How difficult was that to be able to set aside and say, okay, we only have we have the majority, quote unquote, but it's an even majority. It's 50 votes plus the vice president at that point. You still had to be able to find a way to be able to move bipartisan bills during that time period.
0: Right. Well, uh, you're right. It wasn't easy. And just like I just said on the tax bill, which is one of the first things we did. Uh, we, we have wound up uh, cutting it back about uh, 300 billion from what we were originally seeking. But uh, my attitude was, in, you know, okay, it was 1.2 trillion. It wound up being 900 billion. Where I'm from, uh, that's worth having. It. And it was positive for the economy. On the appropriations bills, uh, it, the key there is that we did have experienced men and women uh, that knew the importance of funding the government. After all, one of the things you really are supposed to do every year is to fund the Defense Department, the Agriculture Department, the Homeland Security, uh, and there was a lot of debate back and forth about how much should we go into each one. But uh, we would reach out to senators like Pat Leahy from from Vermont and say, "Hey, Pat, you know we need to do this. Uh, what can we do to?" help it uh, be easier for Democrats to support it. I remember one time, for instance, we had a a bill on the floor uh, that was uh, a water project bill, which I know is important in a state like Oklahoma, but it was particularly important that it had a provision in there for South Dakota, which was Tom Daschle's state, of course. And uh, my friend John McCain put a hold on it, went to the airport, got on an airplane, flew to Phoenix, So I kept the Senate in session for about four hours till McCain landed in Phoenix and got him on the telephone. I said, John, this is an important bill for economic development. It'll help create jobs. It's got a provision in there for the leader of the other party, Tom Daschle. It's not an outrageous amount of money. You you can't do this. And to John McCain's credit, he said, okay, you're right. He withdrew his hold and we got the bill done. But it, uh, you know, I mentioned the beginning, you know, Tom Dash and I did a book together, too, called Crisis Point. We talked about how do you how do you get things done in a body like the Senate, which is a unique body in the world. Uh, number one, communication. You need to talk. Uh, I found over the years that the best leadership tool is your ears. If you listen, it's amazing what you can pick up and what you might get done. But we talked across the aisle. We talked across the Capitol. We talked to the president. And, and to Bush's credit, uh, Tom and the Speaker of the House and the, uh, the leader of the uh, Republicans of the House met with uh, George Bush almost every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. And he talked to us about what was going on and what he needed. And so there was communication. But also, we had a chemistry. Uh, you know, I had friendships on the other side of the aisle. Uh, I, that's why we had Seer Circle Thursday and Tartan Day when I wore a kilt on the floor of the Senate and Kit Bond, a Senator from Missouri came over and said, those are the ugliest legs I've ever seen on the floor of the Senate. But that's why we had the spousal dinner and I would purposely have Orrin Hatch from Utah sit next to Ted Kennedy of Massachusetts and their, their spouses. And we we had you know, entertainment, uh, we did, I wrote an ode to Tricia, my wife. It was fun and we enjoyed each other's company, but here's the important point. We were developing chemistry, uh, a, a relationship that. Look, I had good friends on the Democratic side that philosophically I didn't agree with at all. I'm like you, right. uh, Jim. I'm a I'm a Southern conservative Republican and proud of it. And by the way, when I first came to Washington as a staff member in 1968, I was working for the Democratic chairman of the Rules Committee. That helped make me a committed Republican conservative. I'll tell you that. I uh, but, would. Uh, but that that kind of relationship makes a huge difference in getting things done. And also, I must confess that when Tom Dash and I met every morning, our attitude is, okay, what can we get done positive for the country today? That kind of attitude gets things done.
1: Makes a world of difference. Right now, it's a really odd season in the Senate where the conversation is not about what can we get done, it's how can we run over the Republicans it's how quickly can we get rid of the filibuster? And I've heard this, all these comments from different people to say, let's get rid of the filibuster. Let's get rid of the filibuster. Why is that there? Why is that there? I've even heard some comments recently where people have said the filibuster is a Jim Crow relic. Uh, that it's a purely racist thing to be able to be a follower of the, uh, or to follow the practice of the uh, filibuster. So th- there's a lot of crazy statements that are out there. Describe to us as you've experienced it over the years before, what is the filibuster? Why is that important?
0: The filibuster is one of the key things that make the Senate what it is. I remember one time I was trying to ram a bill through uh, in the Senate and Bob Byrd, Democrat from West Virginia came to the floor of the Senate and lectured me on how I was trying to make the Senate a mini house. The uniqueness of the filibuster is it 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 does protect the rights of the minority, but it also is an action forcing mechanism to work together to try to find something that's good for the country. Uh, if you can just ram it through with you know 50 votes or 51 votes with the, the vote of the vice president, uh, I you know uh, you, you're not going to ever try to get something done that's good for the country. So I think it would be a huge mistake to to do away with it uh, because it. And by the way, during that period when we had the 50-50 tied Senate with uh, Dick Cheney breaking the, the tie votes. Uh, we uh, most of the bills we passed, we would get 70 or 80 votes. It took time. It took communications. Sometime I would go over to Tom Daschle and say, look, Tom, I believe we got the votes this time. Uh, but is there something in this legislation that's a particular problem for you or the Democrats? Is there some little modification or tweak that we maybe could do? And sometime he'd say, if you could just take this out or put this in, it would help. And if I could do it, I would do it, and we would get the job done. So these people are talking about uh, getting rid of the filibuster. Uh, they will rue the day they do that. Republicans will get the majority back, and if there's no filibuster, Republicans could do the same thing. Now, uh, I know that uh, Senator Manchin from West Virginia is not going to vote to get rid of the filibuster. Now, you might could have some reforms. For instance, <clears throat> I never liked filibustering the motion to proceed. <coughs> Excuse me you're filibustering, debating a bill. So you might wanna look at that. You could keep the filibuster, but uh, cut the time down some. Right. So the the basics of this for those, a lot of folks that listen to
1: the uh, the breakdown get into a lot of the intricacies of policies, but for folks that don't know on it, the filibuster is a requirement in the Senate that is unique to the Senate. That really makes the Senate, as you said, the Senate. Uh, There's no place in the federal government that the minority voice is always heard, except for the Senate. In the executive branch, it's what the president says goes. One person. In the House of Representatives, it's whatever the majority is. You can do as much as you want to do, as fast as you want to do it. In the Supreme Court, it's simply a majority vote, as it is in all the other circuit courts as well. The only place in all of the federal government where both sides have to be heard is in the Senate, and it causes It to be very different where you've got to have this bipartisan dialogue uh, to be able to work through things and what's done with that is a three-fifths vote is required that's the 60 to be able to start debate on a bill Uh, now that can be waived if there's broad support for it and used to be it usually was and now it never seems to be but you've got to have then 60 votes to start debate on a bill then you debate a bill you have to have 60 votes then to end debate on the bill uh, that's the cloture at the end of it. And then after you've gone through those 260 votes, then literally the bill passes with only a simple majority. Uh, so I know that sounds silly. People will say, well, you can pass any bill with a simple majority in the Senate. And that's absolutely true after you go through two votes of 60, one to get onto the bill, then debate it, another one to end debate on the bill, and then it passes with 51. Your statement about the motion to proceed is really to say, hey, maybe, maybe a good reform of this, which by the way, I also agree with that as well, and I've talked about it for a long time. I think the majority, whoever the majority is, should be able to debate whatever they want to be able to debate. Yeah. But if the minority voice is not heard, the minority should be able to hold it up and to be able to say, we've got to keep debating this and amend it we where both sides are actually heard in the process. That would allow the minority to be able to still have a voice in it, which I think is very important, but the majority to have the ability to say, let's debate the things that we want to debate. We're the majority. I completely respect that and understand that. Uh, But but for me, this issue of the filibuster is something that's become really politically contentious. Interestingly enough, just four years ago, 33 senators that were Democratic senators wrote a letter to Chuck Schumer and to Mitch McConnell and said, don't do anything with the filibuster. Don't change it at all. We need to make sure we protect the filibuster. And now the 33 senators that wrote that, only one of them that's still here, that's Joe Manchin, is still saying, no, let's keep it. The others have all said, no, forget it. Now that we're in charge, uh, we want to get rid of the filibuster. I would say that uh, when President Trump was president, he often said, let's get rid of the filibuster. Republicans said on all sides of the dynamic, hey, let's protect it because this is important to be able to not only keep this for the American people to have a place where the majority and the minority have to be able to work out our differences because that is an American way to be able to operate. Uh, But it's also important just for the stability of our government as a whole.
0: And one... thing that I really uh, miss about the Senate you know Senators used to be able to offer amendments and we'd have debate and we'd have votes but over the last I guess uh, five or six years that has been just sort of slowly disappearing. I do think that uh, you should have debate uh, on amendments and and votes on amendments but uh, it is all tied up in in the fact that the Democrats are trying to just ram everything through and they want to do it uh, without any negotiation uh, just like on the recent stimulus bill, they put all kind of stuff in there that absolutely did not relate to the COVID at all, and right. and all kind of other things <clears> that surely shouldn't have been in there. Uh, but uh, they they had the votes; so they just rammed it through. And 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 by the way, it costs us 1.9 trillion. And now someday we're going to have to start worrying about the deficits and the debt we're building up.
1: Yeah. And it's been interesting. I heard some of my Democratic colleagues today saying, hey, let's talk about tax increases because we are got a really big debt going on now. And I think, should that be a big surprise that we have this fast moving debt even this year uh, when they just passed a straight partisan bill of almost $2 trillion. Uh, I've also been reading articles in the last mm. even 48 hours with people talking about, it looks like inflation is going to start taking off. All of those things were things we discussed. The reason you try to slow a bill down, especially a $2 trillion bill, and to let both sides speak into it because you want all Americans to be able to talk about this and to get their opinions in it and to say, you may want to do that, but that's not wise for us to be able to do. We've got to figure out how to be able to navigate through this. We had five bills on COVID last year. that were all bipartisan. There wasn't 100% I agreed on any of them, but they were all areas where we pushed them down into common ground uh, to say, okay, that, that's essential for COVID relief. Let's try to get those things done and didn't have all these extra things all crammed into it that just added additional debt for our our kids and, quite frankly, for this generation as well uh, to start to accelerate through. Well, Trent, I really appreciate you joining this conversation. I want to put one more idea out to you on this 50-50 split as we go through this. Uh, Obviously, that lasted for about nine months or so. Then you had someone leave and break that when Jim Jeffords left the party and switched over. Uh, So that changed the dynamic. During that time period, though, it did set the pace for this. There's been some optimism in the Senate, at least at the beginning, to say a 50-50 split could be a reset for the Senate to get back to doing amendments, to get back to doing process, because the way it was set up is it forced both sides to have to work together when for a decade now uh, there's not been a lot of amendments and there's not been a lot of bipartisan relationships to be able to do it. So it does set up the process for that, though I would tell you In the first two months of this, Democrats have done everything straight partisan, including the COVID bill, uh, trying to find a way to not do uh, partisan issues. What could it mean if our Democrat colleagues were to say, okay, let's back up. America didn't send a mass majority for Democrats. America set a 50-50 split, and quite frankly, almost 50-50 split in the House of Representatives, where Democrats only barely have a majority over there. There's a message the American people are sending to Congress right now, And it really seems to be to try to figure this out. So what would you hope would happen and could happen from what you saw with the 50-50 split to give a reset to this current Senate? I'm not talking about caving our principles. What I am
0: talking about is actually engaging
1: and trying to solve the problems.
0: Well, well, let me give you a little encouragement. As a matter of fact, uh, when we lost the majority because of uh, Jim uh, Jeffords, uh, Tom Dashiell became majority leader in 2001, I guess it was. But in 2002, we won the majority back. Uh, we, you know, we won. I think we got up to like maybe 53. Uh, so we we went from 50-50 to down one to taking the Senate back. So I went from majority leader to minority leader, back to majority leader in a two-year period. It was partially because when the the Democrats did get control, they started to ramming things through and started to doing some things. Uh, and, you know, I don't put all the blame on Tom Daschle. but when they got the majority, they basically said, like, the Democrats are doing that. We got the majority. We're going to do what we want to. And they paid the price for it. I think uh, looking uh, ahead to 2022, I, I talk to the leadership in the House quite often still, Steve Scalise and McCarthy, all of them over there, Tom Cole from Oklahoma. Um, I, I'm convinced they're going to take the House back. I think the numbers could run up to as high as 230. The Senate uh, will be more of a challenge because we have 20 uh, Republican Senate seats up, only 14 Democrats, and we're losing some good uh, men uh, this year to or in, next year in retirement. But uh, I think we're, we're going to get some good candidates and, and we'll do well in North Carolina. Uh, and hopefully uh, we've found a good candidate in Pennsylvania. Hopefully we can get that seat back in Georgia, which we should have. But I'm, I, I think how Republicans handle themselves now uh, what they have to say, and by the way, you, you do need to be aggressive. You need to get out there and have a Republican message. Make sure we're telling our side of the story. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm thinking like in Ohio, I, if we, I think we're going to hold the, the seat in Ohio. We got the governor. We got, you know, some good uh, House members. So we'll have some good candidates. And if uh, if we handle our situation properly, we'll get the majority back. And And hopefully that will be in only two years. Oh, I, I, I hope so in that in the days ahead. And I really appreciate you blocking off some time
1: for us to be able to visit back and forth and be able to get your insight. It's good to be able to, for folks at home, uh, back in Oklahoma, to be able to hear from someone who's already lived this, walked through this process before, and has now had the ability to be able to look back and say what worked, what didn't work uh, in this pattern and path and what actually happened in the history in the past. So uh, we should be wise uh, with the days that God has given us. Uh, to be able to make sure that we're using them wisely, effectively, and pushing a set of ideas that'll actually help every person, every neighborhood, every race, every background, uh, to be able to make sure we're providing opportunities uh, for all of those individuals. And so I appreciate your leadership in the past and your continued engagement for our country.
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, uh, Senator. I want to call you by your first name, but Uh, It was, I lived the American dream. My dad was a shipyard worker in Pascagoula, Mississippi. My mother was a school teacher, Uh, but I managed to, you know, get an education and wind up serving in the House and the Senate, being a majority leader. Good Lord, bless me mightily. Uh, And then uh, after 39 years, I decided it was time to retire, but I didn't just go away. Uh, I continued to pay attention to and and work with my former colleague, John Bro on issues that I think are important to our country. Well I appreciate you doing that very much and
1: for staying engaged with that. I would only tell you if your family was interested early on when you were in high school of sending you to Oklahoma Baptist University to get a good education, <laughs> there's still time if you want to come back to OBU and they'll still take you as a as a freshman uh, or if you want to be able to work on a graduate degree, they'll still
0: take you coming in uh, at any Well, point. I didn't think I was uh, had a good enough voice to be a minister of music as my mother and my music teacher intended, but I did wind up creating the Singing Senators when I was in the Senate uh, with John Ashcroft, Larry Craig, and Jim Jeffords. And we sang 15 states. We raised money for charity in the party. We had a lot of fun. You know, uh, politicians that sing together, we'll vote together.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it seems like it. Well, bless you. Thank you again for this conversation. For the folks that are listening in, this is The Breakdown uh, with James Langford. This is designed to be a conversation to make you the smartest kid at the water cooler and to be able to go deep into some of the issues of the day. Today, obviously, about 50-50 Senate how it's worked in the past, the mechanics of the Senate, and to be able to get you up to speed with those basic things. You're welcome to be able to follow us on all of the different platforms for podcasting. You can get a chance to be able to tune in on those. Uh, You can also go to social media sites at Senator Langford, be able to follow us there or go to langford.senate.gov. And uh, you can email us, contact us, reach out, get the most current information there. Uh, we try to be very accessible to you because lots of folks have lots of questions. And hopefully we've had the opportunity to be able to answer some of those questions today with Senator Trent Lott from Mississippi to be able to tap in a little bit of wisdom when he was the majority leader the last time that we had a 50-50 Senate. So God bless you. Look forward to the ongoing conversation in the days ahead.